But they were standing singing the last song in that little Methodist church. When suddenly something happened to me, just a teenage girl. And it's a real to me this moment as it was then. When suddenly I began to shake. I began to shake. I began to tremble. Hey everyone, welcome to the House of Bliss podcast, your favorite show you've never heard of and the internet's best kept secret. I have an amazing treat for you today. I've got my friend Tyler Johnson on. If you've never heard of Tyler Johnson, he is a miracle worker, a dead raiser, a preacher of the gospel, a family man, and a friend of mine. Um, I actually met him way back in the day in uh, 2013 when I had a little internet show called The Embracing Awkward Show where I would try out all kinds of crazy antics for the Lord. Uh, things like attempting to replicate the miracles of Jesus. Like, um, you know, I, I walked around with a bucket of healing dirt, you know, cause Jesus healed people's eyes with dirt. And if he said we could do greater works, I thought maybe I could try that out too. And, uh, so when I was doing all that kind of goofball stuff, that's when I hit it off with Tyler. He was actually, um, touring cause he appeared in that movie Dead Razor, which uh, was sort of seeking to shed light on um, the fact that God still raises the dead. And so Tyler was a featured guy on that movie, and uh, he he stopped through the city I was living in on tour during that time. And uh, we hit it off immediately. I was struck by his genuine love for Jesus, his sweet spirit, but also the heavy revelation that he walks in. And I remember uh, just listening to him talk, um, just getting my mind blown and truly having a shift in my mind and my heart and my thinking that has lasted to this day. And so we are going to be talking about uh, walking in the supernatural power of God, especially as it pertains to the physical resurrection of dead bodies. (laughs) Tyler has this great quote that he's going to say where, He says, Jesus never came across a dead body that he was okay with. He always raised them. And so what you're going to hear might mess with you. It might challenge what you've been taught. But just because it's new or challenging doesn't mean it's not of God. And I want to just kind of give you a thought to think on. It's this idea of if you've held on to a theological idea, what is the fruit of that idea? And if somebody presents a counter idea, what's the fruit of their idea? For instance, when I was first um, encountering this idea that God still heals today, I remember thinking, who are these weirdo people who think that God is still doing miracles? And yet I realized in my life, I've had people get sick in my life. I've had times where I've prayed that God would you know, come down out of heaven and please, oh Lord, heal my grandma of this or that or the other thing. And I never really saw much happen. And and yet here I'm listening to guys like Bill Johnson saying, it's always God's will to heal the sick. Now, that idea was so challenging to my brain. I'm like, how could you say it's always God's will to heal? And yet people like Bill Johnson are seeing hundreds and hundreds of miracles every single year. And so I I remember thinking, well, what if I just try out that belief, take it for a test drive, start approaching every situation instead of trying to figure out, does this, does God want to heal this person or not want to heal this person? Um, Just treat it as if I already know that he does. And lo and behold, I started seeing spectacular breakthrough in my own life. And so Tyler Johnson He's one of those guys that's not afraid to go against the grain of popular opinion. And while people want to argue about things, he's actually out there doing it. He's the one actually seeing stuff happen. And so I want to invite you to open your mind, open your heart, open yourself up because he has such amazing revelation to share with you. And I am so honored to present this marvelous talk I had with Tyler Johnson. And the last thing before we jump in here is uh, you're going to hear a little more about this, of course, but I really just want to reiterate 
um, that if you'd like to support him and his ministry, if you'd like to hear more of what he's written or preached, um, and, and if you even want to have him come speak at your gathering, I know that he doesn't just stick with home, um, with churches, but he'll actually do house churches, things like that. Uh, if you're interested in that, go to oneglance.org. That is his ministry, One Glance, and uh, he's got all kinds of goodies on there. All right, no more commercials. Here it is, my talk with Tyler Johnson. Well, hey, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us. I've got my friend Tyler Johnson here. Tyler, do you want to make a silly sound for us? <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Well, one of the things I like to do with all of my guests is uh, I don't like to just jump straight into the boring, serious stuff. I like to get a different side of everyone. And uh, so I just thought of some, I have some questions just kind of randomly here. We'll see what you think. Are you ready for the lightning round, Tyler? Bring it. Okay, fantastic. All right, if you could take two animals and morph them together into one super animal, what would they be? Oh, dang, dude. Probably a horse and an eagle, like a large <laughs> Lord of the Rings eagle. That would be the most prophetic animal. <laughs> that's, like, that's like Christian bookstore, like... <laughs> Yeah, because uh, then you could ride them and then fly them. And I mean, don't they have those? What are those called? What well, Pegasus. I mean, that's like a, a Greek <laughs> it's, thing. It's a Pegasus, yeah. dude. Yeah, yeah. But like if the head could be a bald eagle, then that would be really cool. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be awesome. Or I don't know. You didn't really explain yourself. So it could be like a horse head on an eagle body. That'd yeah, be I didn't. I was not specific <laughs> no. enough. It's true. <laughs> you can't actually fly. Poor guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome. um, I've never been one to shy away from controversy. And you may or may not be aware of this, but there's a raging debate on the internet about, uh, and people were begging me not to ask you this question. So, <laughs> but... <laughs> Uh, is a milkshake a dessert or a beverage? <laughs> uh, dude, in my family, that we have to qualify it as a dessert. Because if it's just a beverage, dude, I've got four kids that are jacked on sugar, <laughs> like they're cocaine addicts. And that's a problem. So, dude, in my house, it's a dessert, straight up. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. That makes sense. Yeah, that's a tough one but people didn't come here for my opinion. So we'll, we'll move on. Um, <laughs> favorite, uh, favorite travel spot. You, oh. I know you, you've been all over. So like for, for like, are we well, talking? how about, let me, let me rephrase that. Let, okay. How about what is your favorite underrated travel spot? Um, and mm. let's just for the sake of this question, let's say not just for ministry, uh, but just for like, funsies what i know that they're the same thing in our opinion but you know what i'm saying like so we are we talking like are we talking like marital time because that's gonna that's gonna that's gonna change everything <laughs> yeah sure married yeah married you and your wife okay underrated. me and my wife dude 100 percent bora bora we're going to bora 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 what is an exotic bora bora dude well, are you serious I've, i i feel like i thought that was a look it in, up bro I thought that was in a Mario game or something. I don't know. No, dude, that's real life. Okay. Well, I mean, we love Hawaii, and, and I don't think Hawaii is probably defined as underrated, nor is Bora Bora, <laughs> quite frankly. I mean, uh, but, you know, if it's like ministry, we would probably always choose, like, India. Right. Because we just right love on. being in the most ghetto, dangerous <laughs> places we can find. It's like where we come alive. But if it's marital fun time, like where we are going to be snuggling a lot, we probably go somewhere <laughs> like – bora bora or hawaii mm, i i feel like you need to start a podcast called married marital fun time <laughs> oh dude 
Wow, we live that podcast every day. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> um, all right, so let's say uh, you get to pick. You get to pick two foods, and they will be supernaturally infused with all the nutrients you need. So don't worry about health. But what are like okay. the two foods that you would go with for the rest of your life? Pizza and sushi. <laughs> awesome. I'm I'm totally down with that. <laughs> Dude, you can't go wrong with either one of them. Like they're pretty much always a win, unless you eat your pe- unless you eat your sushi and it's like from like Kansas, then it's a total lose. <laughs> At like the strip mall next to like yeah. Big Lots or something. <laughs> anytime the anytime the state's landlocked, don't eat sushi. Yeah, true. Yeah, yep. <laughs> um, favorite favorite movie. Um, I this is I don't mean to be controversial, but. And you have to understand me. You're going to say friend. Harry Potter, aren't you? No. <laughs> no, no, but I don't mind the Harry Potter series at all. But um, I love uh, a movie called Magnolia. And because I'm assuming most of your listeners are Christians, um, I wouldn't recommend them watching it because there's inappropriate stuff in it. But I believe that real life takes place with a lot of inappropriate things in it that and, uh, that's true dude, it is the most phenomenal story of redemption in my opinion it's a very disturbing movie um but uh dude it's so good it's so good that's sweet i'll, I'll have to check it out uh um, dude you being an artist you'd get it you yeah yeah understand. totally no uh, yeah we we always try to watch movies with our with our spirits listening you know what i mean and yeah, I, I like what you said. It's like sometimes people will write off a movie or something and just, as, you know, assume that it's just evil. But like, if you actually watch and you look for Jesus, you can almost always find something that's really powerful or worth redeeming. Um, yeah, I mean, when you do anything with with the Lord, yeah, it's enjoyable. You know, it can be really redemptive. But if you just get caught up on the f bombs or you know, gratuitous violence or nudity. And you let that make the impression on you, like that's not going to work out very well. Well, Tyler, um, you've been somebody that I've looked up to for a long time. I love just, I love following your ministry. I love reading your books. You are on the edge. It is, it is so cool to see what God is doing through you. Um, for those who may not know, like your ministry has really been centered around this idea of, of not just raising the dead, but that God would release immortality and life uh, and life that doesn't have to stop that we don't, we don't have to be friends with death. We don't have to cuddle with death. Uh, we don't have to accept death as normal, but actually because of what Jesus has done, life and life abundant is the new normal. But uh, I'm sure that it hasn't always been that way. And so, yeah, we've got like Peter Parker. We've got the Ninja Turtles getting chemical in the face. Like we've got all these great origin stories, but could you give us the Tyler Johnson origin story? Yeah, dude. I mean, even like Peter Parker, you know, or, or whoever, most people actually become the strong version of themselves through tragedy. Well, so were you bit by a radioactive dead body? Yeah, basically, that's it. A zombie <laughs> attacked me. Yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. Well, you know, like you look at you look at someone that worked a bunch of miracles, like say like John G. Lake, and he mm. he like he got he got sick of sickness attacking his family. And that's really where he, where he started to gain tenacity towards, you know, needing to beat it. And, and he found the answer in Jesus. And he always carried in his heart, this hatred for sickness. And he became very, you know, pronounced it being able to defeat it through the blood of Jesus. And uh, so, you know, this whole thing for me with dead raising, um, started because my own dad died, you know, and the day he died, 
he died in my arms of a sudden heart attack. And, and the day that he died, there was just a real call placed on my life. I knew it had happened. I felt it. Um, not necessarily to raise the dead. I think raising the dead is a natural outcome of believing that God's good, you know, and, and the call on my life that day that was, that was kind of stamped and impressed upon my heart. And I think destiny marked me that day was, was to believe um, that God's good despite any circumstance we come across. And, uh, and so um, when it comes to dead raising, like I know what it looks like to lose a loved one. I think a lot of us do. Um, I, I don't think that <clears throat> a lot of the things that the church told me, like, oh, God needs another angel or it was his time uh, to go yeah, I just I yeah. just saw through that stuff you know that just it didn't have any weight for me it didn't carry any truth and then I started reading what Jesus said about uh, dead raising and about life and about um, who steals kills and destroys all those things have been like like shrouded to me they had all been hidden somehow yeah and when the spirit of revelation came all that stuff came to light and I just was like oh I'm 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 putting all my eggs in one basket. Like this is the way that I'm going to go in life and there's no changing my mind. And so I would say that um, while there's really happy stories out there with origin stories, I think a lot of origin stories start with loss and heart heartache. And there's like this moment where a person decides that they're done being trampled on by life and, and they hook arms with Jesus and they walk with him and he helps them through the worst possible scenarios that life can throw at us, you know? And, um, so that's kind of where my story started was the loss of my dad. Yeah. That's, uh, that's amazing. Even just hearing you talk, I was just kind of reminded of like, even theology aside, because people will argue theology all day long. Like, you know, when, when you get, the, when you, when you have experienced death firsthand and you see how just utterly wrong it is, like it, it has a sense of feeling of just evil yeah. like it doesn't belong and then contrast that when you yeah. have like a personal experience with the with the goodness of god it's it becomes a no-brainer like this is not that these two things do not belong together yeah yeah definitely there's no doubt about it but what's so hard is it slowed down my journey was all these kind of placating statements from the church yeah about death and, and because most of the church sees death as a gateway to heaven, they kind of embrace it as a friend rather than realizing that we're supposed to establish heaven on earth and that right. God who is the center point of heaven is living within us. So it's like uh, we already can experience heaven. Now the Bible says we already see it in heavenly places, but if we don't really believe those things, we'll actually, we'll actually worship death as our gateway to Oof. get to heaven you know oh, yeah we'll, we'll give it too much attention we'll embrace it when it comes we won't fight against it we will forget about dusty on earth we won't be concerned about bringing heaven to earth we'll be concerned about going to heaven and so it's like it's it's rough man like there's a there's a huge mindset shift that needs to change for the church to really embrace not only dead raising but long life because we 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 fully instead of a golden calf dude we we're just worshiping the just death i mean uh, it's time to melt that thing down and, and, uh, get on with life. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh man, that's so good. That, it reminds me of that Ben Dunn quote where he's like, um, if you have to wait till you die to be free from sin, then death is your savior, not Jesus. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. true, man. It's true. Well, so along with that, then that's how you got started. But, um, I'm so curious, uh, well, you, you started with walking in the power of God. So I know you've seen some really incredible, like healing miracles, creative miracles, but yeah. um, so I guess this is really two questions, but like, what's the most amazing miracle that you've ever seen? And then maybe separately, like what's, what is your favorite dead raising testimony that, that was like, you prayed for somebody and they came back to life? Yeah, totally. Um, my favorite miracle probably to this day that I've seen um it, it it wasn't just the like anyone that's walked in miracles um they know that there's there's miracles you hold especially close because of in that moment you're having an encounter with the Lord like we we we've had lots of miracles happen in India and stuff that were 
physically just tremendous like yeah paralyzed people getting out of wheelchairs and different things like that That, all that's great you know in our healing rooms we've had in my opinion every every version of a miracle and every sickness that i could think of um aside from i don't think we ever saw a limb grow out but Mm. well we even saw well we saw that at a different time at a conference but in our healing room we never we never saw that uh just casually like oh yeah i think that did happen <laughs> it did i just remember two times where a woman grew out her breast and a dude grew out a thumb that was gone wow um, but 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 those aside like the point is we yeah. saw all kinds of miracles in our healing rooms and that's great but my favorite miracle testimony um, happened in Mongolia and the reason why it was my favorite is because what it did in my heart changed me forever like it it changed me forever and we yeah. basically driven up into northern Mongolia and there was this group of people that I was a Baptist kid I hadn't seen any miracles totally 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 green with all this stuff there was this group of people that I guess had gotten saved a few weeks before and our leader had heard from the Lord that they needed physical healing so he sent me and a couple friends, like just three friends out into the woods to find him in this van. And uh, we found him, we got out there and he had told us that God wanted to do some physical healing with him. But I, I didn't believe him. I thought he meant like emotional healing or something, you know, and um, it's a long story, but to make it short, there was a crippled woman there and a man came over and asked me to pray for her. And I'd never seen a miracle. So I was, a, I was like, pretty intimidated i was like seriously we couldn't have just started with like a headache or a stubbed toe or something you know i was like <laughs> right, we gotta right. we gotta start with a full-blown cripple woman on the ground and she had so she was laying on the ground she looked like a human knot she was all tied up like her her, her limbs were bent i remember especially like whatever the bone is between your your wrist and your elbow those bones like they were bent like like they looked like the the letter c Uh, wow and so and that was just one bone i i think all of her bones are probably bent um anyways i i don't know what she had but it was a horrendous situation and she was stuck there on the ground um unless someone picked her up and she was probably in her 70s so he asked me to pray and i was frustrated i was like god i don't know what to do and the lord spoke to me and he just said if jesus were here right now in the flesh what would he do? And my brain, like, just immediately did like a Google search through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you know, like, I just like, instantly went through the all the gospels. And I was desperately looking for one time when Jesus didn't heal someone when they wanted him to, you know, because if I could find that, then I've got the crack in the dam, you know, I found the loophole. And I don't have to I don't have to do what my leader told me to do because I'd have the book of evidence in the contrary. You know, I don't need to pray for healing, but I couldn't find anything during that time. That search in my head, I couldn't find one time, even, even the, what is it? The Samaritan woman. Um, or right, is it? Yeah. I, yeah. He, even her, like she heals her. And even the woman with the bleeding and, and you know, bleeding problem, like she touches the hem of garment, his garment. And like, I just couldn't find anything. So I I just realized that if Jesus were there, and this is what I said back to the Lord, if the, if Jesus were here right now, like he would heal the woman. Like if he was actually standing here, there's no doubt in my mind, he would heal the woman. It was, it's so crazy how Holy Spirit knows what questions to ask. And like everything, bro, that I had learned for the first 19 years of my life, in religious settings like we just went out the window all the doctrine and everything with one (laughs) question from the lord like dude i know what it feels like to go from paul or from saul to paul like he can change you with one sentence with one question you know like he can alter everything you thought you knew and he did you know he did he changed me so i just was like if jesus were here right now he would heal this woman and then it was like i saw it was like I saw a third person perspective, Jesus stepping into my body. Mm. And he was like, the Lord said, um, Jesus is here right now. And then he spoke really what, firmly to me, like a dad telling a son what to do. And he said, son, 
heal the woman. Um, and so I prayed and I just said, um, Jesus, heal this woman. And I opened my eyes and nothing had happened. And I remembered that Jesus had prayed twice for someone to get a full manifestation of healing. So I just did it again. Like I closed my eyes. I prayed the same prayer again. And this time when I opened my eyes, she was smiling and she, I don't speak Mongolian. I didn't have a translator and she was smiling on the ground. She hadn't been smiling. And I was, you know, I was like, okay, why is she smiling? And then she began to move her right arm and she started to stretch her arm out. And as she did, it was like cracking and popping. Oh man. I was like really uncomfortable. I didn't understand why she was doing it. Um, (laughs) I thought, you know, I just thought maybe she stretches every once in a while or something. And I didn't even know she could move her arm. I didn't know what was going on. But when she started moving, the people in the village there just stopped and started looking at her. Like everyone was quiet. And she ended up stretching her arm out. And when she got it straight, her arms out, I realized that that those bones that were like the shape of a C were straight now. And Uh... and I was like, (laughs) and I was like, wait a second. Like, uh, thank you, Lord. <laughs> I go, I was like, I, I could have swore those bones were bent. I was, you know, and it's in that moment, you know how it feels, dude, when you're like, hold up, like, this is a miracle. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. And then, yeah. It breaks your brain. Yeah. And then you're like, and then this weird thing happens to me. I don't know about you, but like, when I'm experiencing a miracle, well, I begin to feel like, dude, God is here. Mm. Like, the king of kings is here right now and i get like it's not i'm not scared of him but i it's the fear of the lord you know like yeah it's like oh, dude, yeah. this is holy like this is amazing and you're just like dude he is the man he's here like bro if elon musk showed up at your house you know or like someone that you that's famous you know i don't care who it is they carry a different like aura around them and like we're talking about we're talking about Elon Musk, you know, whoever, you know, I don't know who people adore these days. Who do people like? Like, uh, mo- mo- I think most people like Donald Trump. Uh. Dude, there you go, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Someone famous shows up. Yeah. This is, this is on, this is a billion times more. Jesus shows right. up. Like it's a right. big deal. He created like Jupiter, you know, like this guy is there with you. And so anyways, she, her arm gets straight and I'm, I'm freaking out, not because the miracle's happening, because like Jesus is nearby. And then she, she she does the same thing with her other arm, and the whole place is quiet, the whole village. And then she takes her arms and she puts them on either side of her, and she pushes herself up off her her legs are still all crumpled. She pulls her pushes her body up and puts those crumpled legs underneath her, and then proceeds to stand up, totally healed in front of me. <sighs> wow. And. uh Dude, I've told that testimony I don't know how many times over the years, and every time I relive it, and like it's still so real to me. She she was like in her seventies. She stands up before me, and then she just took off running into a field. Like up until the moment when she ran, I think I was like, you know, does she just do this every once in a while? Like was she just faking it or something like that? But when she took off running, and she was like screaming, like it wasn't like praise you jesus it was like blood curdling screaming you know like <laughs> it sounded like someone being murdered it was awesome so i just ran after her and we just danced in this field swinging each other around just laughing hysterically and oh that's uh, so awesome man wow so the the reason why i love that one is because it taught me that dude like everything i had been taught in church like the miracles were done they were ceased you know and and all that like it all just went out the window with just one simple question like what do you, what do you see jesus doing in the bible and did he ever not heal someone he always healed them and so that means that in my life that's how i need to treat everything like there wasn't a dead body that he came across that he was good with like he raised them you know like yeah right so <laughs> yeah <laughs> that, that that testimony is it will always be probably my favorite yeah, it's kind of weird. You can almost hear the religious like voices going like, well, she was 70 something years old, you know, like just let her go. But Jesus be like, hey, that's that's 70 something years way too long. Let's Dude, let's totally. deal with this. You know what I mean? Just yes. yeah. 
I love that, man. I, yeah, I've had those kinds of experiences that mark you where you're like, well, now that I've seen that, I will never like not pray. I can't. I can't not yeah. because I know what Jesus is about. I know what he's going to do. I could never see a miracle again. I could never see healing again for the rest of my life. And I would continue to pray for healing because of that moment. Yeah. Mm. Like, even if I gave it another 30 years and I never saw anyone healed of anything, I would still believe in healing because of that moment. It's so good to have you on, man. Like, um, you're, 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 you really are the person who um, uh, commissioned me, I guess, to raise the dead, really changed the way I think about these oh, kinds buddy. of things. And I've prayed for uh, quite a few people. It's actually kind of hard to find uh, dead people in this country. Dude, which is a good thing, near I me, guess. bro. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, I remember even thinking, like, uh, I was recently praying over a five-month-old baby. and. Oh, um, it was just like, even if I have to do this a hundred more times, yeah, cool. If like one mom gets to experience her baby coming back because Jesus yeah. healed them, like I'll I'll do it two hundred more times. Amen, you know, buddy. it's just uh, there's Amen. something so real and beautiful and really marvelous is the word I think about the power of Jesus that we, uh, I never get used to it. Never should get used to it. Yeah. But, but along with that, I'm sure that I know that you've seen people raised from the dead and I'm sure that even just seeing one uh, is enough to keep you praying no matter how many times you don't see it. So would you yeah. mind sharing with us your personal favorite time seeing someone raised? Yeah, totally. Um, I know you said personal. Uh, we've had, We've been involved. Me and, well, our teams, our teams overall have had 22 raised so far. I've wow. been a part of eight of them, but um, my favorite one by far had to do with, and I may have told you this one before, but it had to do with my son and he prayed for someone actually over the phone and um, they were raised. And the reason why it's my favorite is because uh, it was just a real sovereign moment with the Lord and it snuck up on me. I wasn't expecting it. You know, we try to make ourselves available to pray for these kind of situations a lot. Um, I mean, it, it happens a lot to us and dude, it get, oh, cool. I'll be honest, man. Like right now, uh, you know, we started the DRT like, like, like 13, 12, 13 years ago. And we recently had someone raised probably like, six or seven eight months ago and that's great but like um bro it's been i mean like i get i get how do i say this how do i say this without sounding like a total bummer like it's hard sometimes like yeah i mean i'm sure praying over that baby was hard and bro it's just all about love like it's like i i'm like i'm i i put myself in these situations because i want to love people and i want to love god and there's no logical reason aside from that why I'd do it. Um, Cause it, it can take a toll on you, dude. Like you spend your all doing this thing. And, uh, and uh, so anyways, um, my, my favorite hands down was a time when a man, uh, he died and his son called me and he was standing over his dad's body. And my son, Joshua, um, was sitting in the doorway of my office and heard um, heard me talking to my friend, and I asked him if he wanted to come pray with me for this guy. I had to—he was only three years old. I had to explain to him like what death was. You know, I mean, I don't even know if he grasped that at that time. I mean, dude, three-year-olds they, they they can talk, you know, but right, um, yeah, they're not they're not super aware of everything going on, and and. Uh, so anyways, he jumped up on my lap and we began praying and I started praying and then he cut me off and started speaking in tongues for the first time in his life. And like, I, I, it just rocked me, bro, because we, he can't, he couldn't read at that age. So he hasn't read it. And you know, he hasn't read Acts two and he hasn't read Corinthians. Like he doesn't have any kind of mental ability to grasp 
what speaking and praying from the spirit is, uh, you know, at the most, maybe he heard Christine or I speaking in tongues, but uh, generally, like she grew up Lutheran and I grew up Baptist. So we're not like the, like, we're not like shouting in tongues through our house throughout the day, you know, like. Right, um, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. <laughs> the, the point is like, it was super sovereign. And I think it just wrecked me. He began speaking in tongues in his cute little high voice. And he's like, <laughs> and, it, and I just started weeping. Like I just started uncontrollably crying. And as he was praying, it got thick in the air. And it was like someone unzipped like, like a, a realm and like stepped into the room and uh, the walls, you know, the walls were like, yeah. like you yeah. just feel like everything <laughs> changed, you know, and uh. Uh, it just got super sticky in there you know it's just like this is heavy weighty glory and um he prayed for like 45 seconds that was it and then he just stopped like he hit a wall and dude there was so much presence in what he'd just done that i thought it would be more unlikely that he wasn't raised yeah and so i said is he good you know, is he breathing, you know, whatever. And he was like, no, nothing's, nothing happened. And uh, I said, and I've never said this to someone before, but I just said, well, I, um, I believe God just released a miracle. And he said, yeah, I agree. And I, I said, well, if we really believe that God just released a miracle, then it would actually be unbelief to keep praying. Hmm. And uh, I've heard Bill Johnson talk about like, praying past your miracle like we you know so easily we can get into striving when we pray and we can like come out from a place of rest and we can like try to accomplish something supernatural on our own you know energy and it just doesn't work like and you pray past your miracle so like you release the miracle and then you just rest in the lord's love and so yeah i hadn't really learned that lesson by that point but this this situation taught me that you know it was like oh i realized if we keep praying this is we're not we're not acting in faith then like Joshua did it. We don't need to add to it. It's done. <laughs> so we just, dude, his dad's dead in front of him. And right. in faith, we hang up the phone. Like I know what it, I know what's going on. Like I'm not, I've been in these situations before. Like I know his heart is, could potentially just be in complete chaos and trauma. And he just stood in faith. He's like, this little boy prayed for my dad, dude, he's a three-year-old bro. Like this is a grown man. I'm talking to like he, I would say that 99.9% .9 of the people in the world that would be a part of that phone call, if Joshua prayed and then I'd said that, they would have got off the phone and been freaking out. Like, because they don't see their dad raised from the dead yet. But this dude just stood in faith. And he just was like, amen. Like, through the prayers of a little child, God's going to do a miracle. So That's the whole awesome. day goes by, dude. And every time it kind of came up in my heart, I just put it on the back shelf. Like, not out of avoiding the problem, but like out of faith. And um, and so then anyways, the next morning I wake up and I've got a text from my buddy and it turns out he went to the hospital because the nurses called him to come. And he went into the hospital and there in a hospital gown walking around the room was his dad. Come on, Jesus. Uh, I love that story so much, dude. I have heard you tell it, but I could hear it 10 more times. I think even just having a three-year-old, that hits me so hard. Like, that's God from start to finish, you know? Um, dude. That's so on. freaking awesome. Actually, I, I wanted to ask you a couple more questions about that. Um, yeah. Like, so did did you hear anything from the nurses? Like, what were they doing? Were they, because the nurses, it, it's, it's the one nurses. thing if somebody is like, you, you could – you know, if somebody's been dead for like five minutes and they come back, and that's amazing. That's nothing short of a miracle. But I could see how somebody would write that off and be like, oh, well, you know, they lost consciousness, actually. My mistake. But if you've been dead for a while and you have got multiple witnesses and you come back, uh, that's got to be something to people. The nurses were the ones that found him alive. Yeah. Like, they called him, and when he walked in, they just stared at him. <laughs> like from their little nurses station you know yeah <laughs> uh but dude it like i i didn't i when he told me it was like i hadn't had my caffeine or something that morning it was early and I, it just i didn't even like hear it like it didn't make sense to me 
uh, I don't know why you ever like hear a miracle and it just doesn't like hit you, whether yeah. it's your own unbelief or you haven't had your vitamin C that morning yet, you know, your vitamin <laughs> caffeine, whatever it is, stone vitamins, <laughs> dude, totally. Um, whatever it is, uh, it just didn't hit. It didn't land. And so like an hour after he told me on the phone, I opened up my laptop and there was a picture on Facebook of my buddy and an older man. And the caption said, thank you to Joshua Johnson, a three-year-old who prayed my dad back to life. And there they're both giving a thumbs up to the camera. And he's like in an, he's in the hospital gown. Oh like, my gosh. <laughs> so it blew my mind, dude. And then I got to, I, bro, I don't know if I've ever told you this part, but we were on tour for dead razor, you know, and uh, we were, Oh yeah. Yeah we were going through Seattle and that's where the, the, these, this son and this dad live. And after the, the movie, um, they, we were doing ministry time and this couple came up to me and this man came up and was just weeping. And he just, he just, I, you know, he just gave me his big hug and he like, wouldn't let me go. And he was just like weeping into my shoulder. And there was this woman and she was like really close to two, the both of us, like standing right next to me and him. And she just kept saying, look like uncomfortably cold, like just looking me in the face, right in my eyes. She's only like a foot away maybe at the most from my face, locked eyes with me and was just saying, thank you for his life. Thank you for his life. Just like tears running down her face. And I was like, what the heck is going on? I had no clue who these people were or what was happening, you know, and I'm just thinking, oh, Holy Spirit's whacking people, whatever. And you just kind of go along with it. You just get used to all the weirdness, you know? <laughs> right. And then I pulled the guy off me and I look at his face and I just said like, oh, you're the dad. And he was like, he just said, yeah, I'm the dad. And we just both started crying, dude. Um, so uh, it was amazing. I got to, I got to hug that body that had been dead. You know, I, I got to be with this man who was alive again. And then uh, probably like a year later, I was back in Seattle speaking and he showed up at a meeting and he had like a, he had like a, um, he had carved like this seat, like a step seat that kids would use to like in the bathroom to get up to the sink or something. And it had Joshua's name in it. And you flip it over. It says, thank you to Joshua for praying me back to life on the state. Oh my God. Man. And he told me, he goes, dude, I only make these for my grandkids. So I just want you to know. And I was like, wow. Yeah, it's awesome. We that's, still have it. That's so cool, man. I just, wow. It, I don't even know what to say. kind of Jesus that we serve um he's he's still alive he's still being Jesus and I love reading the gospels because everywhere he went he left a trail of just straight marvel bombs you know people are just freaking out pulling their hair out jumping around dancing like that's who he is all the time uh, I love that he lives inside of us. That's so awesome. <laughs> um, but you, you kind of already touched on this, but I'd, I'd like to hear a little more, um, I think, because I know from reading your first book, which, by the way, uh, to the listeners who may not be as familiar with Tyler, um, or I don't know if it was actually your first book, but the first book I got from you was How to Raise the Dead. And you dedicated like a huge portion of that book, um, not even talking about miracles, but to like intimacy with Jesus. Um, yeah. as being your fuel. So I know that's a huge deal. But man, you've gone through a whole bunch of stuff. I know that you get lots of crap from religious people. Um, I know that probably atheists get on you. Like I I'm sure you have lots of people on you for choosing to stand in a ministry like the one you're doing, um, as well as times where you prayed and people didn't come back. Or, or even, yeah. you, you know, like when I prayed for that baby recently, um, and there was another guy that I prayed for. I actually had nightmares for a while. Um, yeah, bro. Because the situation was really traumatic. 
And so I'm sure you have stuff like that too. So, and yet, you know, I, I want to honor you because you've stayed so consistent. Like you are still one of the most on fire people that I know you're still doing it. So how do you, how do you stay in it like that? Yeah. You know, I mean, there's lots of times where I don't feel on fire, you know? Um, so that's, that's the, the honest uh, part is I don't always feel like that. I mean, dude, no, nothing's ever going to shake my love for Jesus. He's my friend. And, uh, there's been times where it's, it's difficult to feel motivated to go out and do it. Like, here's the thing right now, everyone that's listening is going to hear like the hard part, you know, like you said, you had nightmares and dude, praying for babies, bro. There's nothing in the world that can rip your heart out like that. Like it's, I remember praying for these two kids that had died in a fire and their bodies had been burned together. And so praying for them, their bodies are melded together by the, by the, by the heat. And there's a few things that are as tough as that, you know? And, um, uh, it's the front lines, bro. It's the front lines in the, in the body of Christ. Like there's lots of Christians that just won't touch that with a 10 foot pole. I mean, they'll love to go to Sunday service and, you know, give their tithe. But when it comes to going to pray for some children, you know, a, a mom that's heart has been ripped out of her, you know, chest because her children has died or some child has died or something. There's, it's the front lines. So I think the thing that has kept me alive and has kept me uh, functional in my relationship with God and still have fire is like, um, like you said, it's, it's, it all goes back to intimacy for me. And part of that's because I'm a heart guy um i that is my safe place chapter four song of songs is like my safe place it's where i get centered it's where i remember like who god says i am and mm. it's where i get fire from is understanding how he sees me and, and how he feels about me is is where i derive all my strength from i can go through the most traumatic awful situations but if i hear the affirmation of god um i'll be fine i can make it um and um so for me a lot of it has to do with intimacy a lot of it has to do with like being honest with the Lord. And I don't mean, I don't mean uh, legitimizing our bitterness towards God. Like, cause I don't, I don't do that. I don't stand for that. I don't do that. Like, but right. being honest with the Lord about how I feel and how a situation made me feel and then listening for his solution. Like he, he always does it, man. Like, uh, bro, just, just um, a couple weeks ago, like I'm gonna be super real with you right now. I don't even know why I'm saying this, but I was in Montana and speaking and we did a, we did a dead raising, you know, uh, a, a dead raising training, you know, like a, a school of resurrection, we call it. And um, it was with a, a really beautiful group of people out in Montana. And uh, bro, the day I left to go to the airport, one of the girls I had prayed protection over, dude, this little 12 year old girl, she, she got in a car and her brothers flipped the car and killed her. And like, we, we literally knew that something was going to happen and we prayed against it and it still happened. And like, I was offended, not with God, but I was offended at like the fact that my prayers didn't change the situation we knew about. Mm. And like, I took that to the Lord and I was pissed, bro. I was like, this is not okay. Like you, Holy Spirit warned me. And then you've given me your power and your authority. Like I declared this thing done and then it still happened. Like that, I'm not okay with that. And it was this open-ended thing with the Lord, you know, like, and he, he was real gentle. The Lord was real gentle. He began to talk to me about, um, just other parts of the situation that I wasn't aware of and stuff. But dude, honestly, I was just like, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it, God. Like this shouldn't have happened. And I was mad, you know? And, uh, and it was probably like three or four days later I was worshiping bro. And like, I was just like, I was just giving my heart to the Lord. And all of a sudden, like, I was like, I don't, I don't need to understand in order to worship you. Like, I don't need the answers in order to tell you that I love you. Like, I just love you. And, and uh, I will always 
be here. Like I'll always fall on my knees. Like I don't care what happens. You're always going to be my friend. And I don't need an answer in order to follow. Like he just said, follow me. He didn't say like what the plan was going to be or how everything was going to work out or like how Matthew, Mark, Luke and John were going to pay their bills. He just said like, follow me. And so I was like, I'm just going to follow. I don't, I don't understand what happened with this girl. I don't know why she died or, or why she didn't get raised when we prayed. Like, I don't understand any of that, but like, I don't need those answers in order to, to love you. And uh, so that's what I mean, like being real and honest, you know, and that's, dude, I, all that was going on, bro. While like I had just been there training on dead raising and like they didn't get raised. And one lie that I've dealt with over the years, like over like a decade has been, um, now I hope I explain this well. Um, bro, when we go and do a training somewhere, many times when we leave, someone dies now for years, Hmm. I was like the devil's using me like to bring a message in. And then he, somehow grains a full hold through that and annihilates people. And I, I like thought people dying was my fault, bro. That's how twisted it was in my head. Oh yeah. And so like the enemy would condemn me with that. He'd be like, really, you're going to go to another city and bring death. Like he told me instead of being like a messenger of life, that I was a messenger of death. Does that make sense? That's how yeah. messed wow. up he is. And the Lord would be like, dude, like I'm, I sent you there to bring the message of life. Cause I knew something bad was going to happen. You prepared these people. You weren't bringing death. You were preparing them to to be able to battle this thing. And like, um, and so, but it's but continually, you know, like it's a fight in my heart, you know, to believe that truth that like I'm I'm actually bringing, I'm actually helping rather than hurting, right? Uh, yeah. Even from day one, when we got into this thing, man, I mean, I had people bail on me just because they were like, "You're going to open yourself up to a spirit of death." And I was like, wait, you're telling me that by praying for the dead, I'm less safe. Like doing the will of God, I'm less safe than if I were living like a hedonistic lifestyle. (laughs) Right? Like it's not even logical. It doesn't make any sense. And so I've had people from the get-go try to tell me that crap. And um, dude, I just don't buy it. Like I just believe that God sends me where I need to go. And... um, you know, he, uh, he knows the enemy's plans. I think he tries to prepare people and, uh, it's no joke, bro. We're in the middle of a battle. Like this is, it's no joke. I'm all about the juice. I'm all about the joy. There's like people dying in the world and we're like, we're the only ones with an answer. Jesus is the only answer. And so it's real life to me, dude. Like when I get around David Hogan, bro, last time I was around David, he grabbed me by the shirt and pulled me in and he was like an inch from my face. And he goes, how would you feel if people came into your church and brought in AKs and shot all the women and children and men killed everybody in the church service? Like, bro, he's so intense and people give him crap for that, bro. He's intense because he's in the middle of a battle. Like other people aren't in a battle. Praise God. That's awesome. But like, dude, my life is intense sometimes because I'm actually dealing with people that have lost loved ones. And it's no joke. Like, I got to be on, you know, like I got to be ready to, to shoot at any point. And uh, so in the midst of all of that, in the midst of people calling us or emailing us or whatever, or teams going out to pray, like, um, you know, we're just like trying to do life. I'm trying to raise kids and love my wife well and provide for my family. It's like a crazy deal, man. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, man, that is why, honestly, uh, I don't say this really with any, <laughs> any flattery whatsoever, but that I really super duper appreciate you doing what you're doing. Um, because I, you know, I, I feel kind of a similar pull on my life to, to go to the places where everybody else, you know, sometimes I'm like, it's, I do, I feel so deeply, I feel love for people, but other times too, it's like, no one else is doing this. Like somebody has got to go to this protest or somebody yeah. has got to go yeah. to this thing because Jesus has to be there. Like, yeah, uh, he is there. you know, and, um, 
so I, I definitely feel that, you know, I love, I mean, I have the house of bliss. I love the joy. I love the Me whack. Too. I love living in the garden paradise of his goodness. Um, but, you know, most people on our planet are not yet experiencing that. And so that means we still have something to share and it's our yeah. own two feet that brings it, you know? Yeah. Um, Come on. So thank you for doing that, man. Thank you. Uh, yeah. It's, it continues to be a huge inspiration to me. So that's awesome. Well, Tyler, it has been a real pleasure having you on. And I know that people are going to hear that and go, whoa, who is this guy? How do I follow along with that? Um, so I know you just recently released a book, The Dead Are Raised, which looks freaking awesome. Can you give us a little bit about that and uh, where we can buy it? Yeah. Um, I think you can get it on Amazon or on our website, which is oneglance.org. Um, but it's just basically like, uh, it's just a massive uh, compendium of like, uh, testimony after testimony of people being raised from the dead all the way from 900 BC to the present day. And, um, I wrote it because mainly I just wanted to feast on the testimony of Jesus because it's the spirit of prophecy. And so I just brainwashed myself with with testimonies <laughs> yeah because otherwise you know the news and and stuff like that will brainwash us so we got to be brainwashed by something it might as well be the gospel and so um, i just you know protestants are aware that there's a ton of dead raisings that happen between the, the life of jesus or you know uh, the time of the biblical era that the bible is written um to 1500 you know um a.d you know, prior to Luther and stuff. So we, we have, we've lost all that as Protestants. And so the primary meat of the book is a lot of um, primarily Catholic testimonies of people being raised from the dead. And uh, they're radical, dude. They're out there. We talk about, you know, St. Nick, where we got um, Santa Claus, you know. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. We've got St. Patrick, who raised at least 33 people from the dead. We talk about those. Um, lots of just really intense individuals that brought the kingdom wherever they went. It's it's pretty cool. That's awesome. I, I love uh, just even for theology's sake, um, like church fathers, uh, all that stuff. So I, I love that you're exposing people to that because yeah, dude, church history is so rich. Uh, like we think we know a thing or two about revelation and then, you read about like saint anthony or something and you're just like what in the world yeah bro that's so awesome well cool i i cannot wait to check that book out um and of course i've i've also read uh how to raise the dead all-time classic definitely people need to check that one out um but lastly I, I just wanted to ask you like what are you up to now and how how can my listeners follow along with what you're doing totally um they can always follow my my Facebook, I'm at Tyler G. Johnson um, on Facebook and uh, probably won't get to the friend request requests. I don't really ever check it. Um, it would, it's been maxed out for a while or whatever, but they can always follow on there. Um, I update that probably the most out of everything that I do. Uh, and um, we're just, we're just still at the same thing. We send out teams. We have like, um, I think like 70 teams or more uh, worldwide and we send them out to, to pray when we get requests to pray for people that have died. Um, other than that, I speak all over the place and I haven't updated my itinerary in forever. Right now, a lot of stuff slowed down because travel slow, but, um, but other than that, man, uh, just raising our kids, loving my wife, trying to support her dreams. And uh, yeah, dude, just uh, trying to be Jesus to the world whenever I can. That's about, that's the plan. Oh, that's, so good. And so if people wanted to like invite you to speak, uh, they would go to oneglance.org. 
yeah, that's probably the best way to do it. Sweet. I will I will definitely put links in uh, the show notes for everyone. But, uh, man, Tyler, thank you again so much. Really, really appreciate having you on here. Thank you so much for listening to the House of Bliss podcast. If you'd like to support this ministry, it is super easy to do so. All you've got to do is go down and hit the link in the description, visit our Patreon page, and sign up. Any amount of monthly giving is going to unlock all kinds of extras and behind-the-scenes rewards. Another quick and easy way you can support us is you can just give us a five-star rating on whatever platform you're listening on. Each and every one of those goes a long way. I'm praying that God seals everything you heard today in your heart and that you stay rooted and grounded in His everlasting love. Thanks again. God bless.